Welcome to another episode of the NPCs Discuss, where we talk about the video game industry, events, history, controversies, and more. On today's episode, Nintendo has recently announced that they will be shutting down the 3DS and Wii U digital storefronts in March of 2023. For those who continue to play games on both of these consoles, it means access to digital downloads will slowly dwindle away until that time. While we have grown accustomed to store shutdowns and inability to access games, there's something about Nintendo's comments on the matter that have us concerned. Why would these comments have us and the broader preservation and retro communities worried? And what could we see happen next? That's what we're getting into with today's episode, Nintendo't. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor, Anchor.fm. Welcome, everybody, to another NPCs Discuss, where we talk about the video game industry, events, history, controversies, and more. My name, of course, is Travis Sherman, and as always, I am joined by Kyle Inman. Kyle, hello. What's up? Well, what's up is that Nintendo has actually pissed off a lot of people this week. Yeah, they have. It, or at least it seems that way. I mean, in one fell swoop with a quick announcement of taking down to, well, at least one beloved eShop. I don't, I don't know about one of the other ones if it gets so much traffic, but um, at least one beloved eShop. Um, and then one that, that probably sees at least one or two people. <laughs> That's probably very true. Nothing, nothing against the Wii U necessarily. But on Tuesday of this week, Nintendo announced that they will be closing the 3DS and Wii U shops in March of 2023, with other features for those shops starting to also be shut down as time goes on through the rest of the year. So in May of this year, you won't be able to use a credit card to add funds to a Nintendo eShop for the Wii U or Nintendo 3DS. And in August, you will not be able to use a Nintendo eShop card, which is the card you could purchase at GameStop, Walmart, uh, wherever, and use those funds through the code to add to your account to purchase games or what have you. That will end again in August of uh, this year. And then again in March, those storefronts are going to be shutting down. However, Nintendo has promised that uh, it will still be possible to re-download games and DLC receive software updates, and enjoy online play on Wii U and the 3DS family of systems. So, there are some things there that sound, okay, understood. Yeah, I I mean, it, it's sad, but I I mean, there, there's some vagueness there. I, I understand the uh, eShop cards. Does that include the game cards, though? Where, where does it leave those? So my understanding is that game cards are still going to be able to work. It appears that it's just those fund cards where if you go and buy uh, from Walmart or whatever on their rack and, you know, you pay 20 bucks for e uh, for the eShop uh, currency, whatever it is that they use in there, then that is what uh, is going to be shutting down in August. Okay. But it looks like, yeah. though, that you will still be able to redeem digital game codes if they exist. Yeah, that that's what I had heard because that it was a little vague, and from most of what I got, there you you should be able to um actually redeem those codes up until the last date. But after the last date, it's it's the same. It, it it's over, you know. Uh, which is really 
kind of sad when it comes down to the the whole video game preservation aspect. I mean, they did shut down their whole repair aspect of it, what, two years ago now, I want to say? It's been a couple years. Yeah, they shut it down what feels like in advance of the launch of not necessarily the Switch Lite. I think it was around the time the Switch Lite was announced, but I think they shut all of that down and prep for the Switch OLED model because they obviously have to change out the inventory to repair not only the regular Switch, but also the Switch Lite and the OLED. So mm-hmm. probably that's probably what they did. Uh, but yeah, you are right. It is that it is sad to see these things going. Um, and uh, this uh, article from Kotaku here that I'm looking at even makes uh, mention of it too, is that the 3DS is 11 years old next month, and the Wii U will be 10 years old in November of this year. So really the expectation for a digital storefront for consoles that like are probably being played quite a bit especially the 3ds they're still being used regularly it's you know it maybe kind of makes sense especially as more people have transitioned over to playing on the switch anyway mm-hmm. um even with all of these games that you would think would release on more of a handheld device like the 3ds such as like pokemon are now making their way onto the switch as regular releases not just some sort of side thing so well that's a surprise the switch is a handheld device if you want it to be fair that's no you're not wrong and that's completely fair that is the whole point is that it is a hybrid device to do so so we did see this in the cards when they announced the switch that you could take it with you and that you could dock it and get a little bit better experience when you're at home yes perfectly understood and even if you look at the uh, console npds um it's bizarre when you look at the uh, overall ones uh, we were looking at them what just last week two weeks ago uh, for for Switch sales, they have to list it as a hybrid console, not a home console, not a handheld. So it, it's kind of its own classification now. It really is, especially because it does meet it really does meet that criteria of hybrid because it can do both. Uh, now, I guess with with this though, with the Switch having taken precedence over everything as is for Nintendo. I mean, we haven't really seen much love for the 3DS in a while. And again, like I mentioned, games that have come out normally for handheld-specific consoles in the Nintendo universe are now making their way to more of the mainstream home console, or the hybrid, if we want to go ahead and call it like that. So it's not a surprise to see some of the demise, even with with a bunch of people still playing on these things. However, as you were alluding to there with the digital preservation part, There is something that Nintendo did make mention of, and here is what Nintendo said in their blog post when they announced it. So the the FAQ that they posted in this part was, again, these are Nintendo's words. Once it is no longer possible to purchase software in Nintendo eShop on Wii U and the Nintendo 3DS family of systems, many classic games for past platforms will cease to be available for purchase anywhere. Will you make these classic games available to own in some other way? If not, then why? Doesn't Nintendo have an obligation to preserve its classic games by continually making them available for purchase? And Nintendo answering, of course, their own question because they wanted to get ahead of everybody. Their reply on that was, across our Nintendo Switch Online membership plans, over 130 classic games are currently available in growing libraries for various legacy systems. The games are often enhanced with new features such as online play. We think this is an effective way to make classic content easily available to a broad range of players. 
Within these libraries, new and longtime players can not only find games they remember or have heard about, but other fun games they might not have thought to seek out otherwise. We currently have no plans to offer classic content in other ways. But I wonder if that's also part of Nintendo holding on to that classic collection, you know, card collection aspect of the company, you know, being that, you know, they they produced it once, you know, especially you think about like uh, the Mario 3D collection. They produced it for that year. That's what they put out. If you didn't buy one of those units or the units that's residual left in the store, you missed out. And that's that, you know. Unless you get, like, pirated content. True, but I still believe, though, at least it's it's something at least worth mentioning, though, that Nintendo had to get, a, had to get ahead of the, of the actual question by posing the question in their FAQ and then answering it that way. But that's also them saying is, well, you had your chance at our library. Now, maybe we'll give you an opportunity to play our library in the future. That that's kind of how I read it a little bit too, like oh you didn't get your copy okay well maybe we'll allow you in the future if we decide to to maybe do a crossover with with a Nintendo DS that you'll be able to get that title or play that title again it, maybe we'll do a crossover with and all of our, the Nintendo fans out there still have their fingers crossed for Game Boy Advanced to to join that that Nintendo online membership. So, you know, that 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 is fair. But the reason why I emphasize that comment, though, is that's actually what sent a lot of kind of fury and fire through the gaming universe when Nintendo dropped this blog post earlier this mm-hmm. week is that they made mention that they had no plans on supporting any of these other titles or, or what was the exact thing have no plans to offer classic content in other ways. And that it's basically you are right is from one standpoint is that if you really wanted these titles, it's like you should have picked them up in the first place. But I think part of the issue though, still comes down to what we covered in a previous discuss episode uh, about the video game preservation front and that the emphasis on the digital economy, when it comes to downloading games or, or to getting games leaves you with the inability to potentially save those games in the sense that you would with other physical titles is that there's a lot of stuff that does exist digital only on the Wii U and on the Nintendo 3DS that doesn't exist in phys- a like physical capacity and requires that level of preservation that you know normally wouldn't need to happen you know or at least try to figure out a way to do so without potentially having them put all onto a 3DS and then you know that 3DS bricking and okay well there goes all your content there there goes all your games this is very true too, um, especially if you had you know earlier generations of the the DS. It was incredibly difficult to move your games over. You might as well have just given them up. Um, and then later on, you know, it, it, it's not like you could just take the memory card out of one DS and pop it in another because that memory card was actually registered to that first DS. So once you popped it out and tried to pop it in another. It would say, oh, well, this is, you know, a corrupted memory card. You need to format it. And it would immediately erase it. So you would lose everything on that memory card. And that it, was what I was just about to ask about was those SD cards that came with the 3DS. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Even even with the when they sw- swapped over to the micro SD card for the new 3DS, um, 
it it was the same deal that once you popped it out that that was that it was only for that ds you couldn't swap it to a different ds you couldn't you know just it wasn't that easy not even the save files would transfer over it wouldn't even recognize it so if you can't necessarily back up your games to the sd card for the sake of being able to have that level of recovery if your 3ds broke for whatever reason then was the point just to add the additional storage capacity for yes. the ds then that was really it then that was really it unfortunately i call a little bit of shenanigans on nintendo for that one yeah and you know the fact that they made everything so proprietary on the system i uh, it's difficult to emulate because of the two screens and that was another thing i was going to bring up is the emulation side um, when it comes down to that whole, now we give you a chance to play our collection, and them saying, "Oh, well, we offer this many titles on, you know, Nintendo's um, Switch Online membership, and you know, if you get the expansion pass, we offer this many more titles on the the uh, Switch Online membership." Right. Well, that's also, you know, that that that's like. Them, them saying that you know we're we're giving you that opportunity to play, but you look at how they've gone ov- over the emulation community and they've slapped down people that have tried to um, put out um, new copies of games that you know are lic- that have licensed characters or you know fan renditions or God forbid if you put out ROMs um, that that will get you landed in jail as it did gary bowser so (laughs) that's very true it will so it just seems like though that even with the level of proprietary technology that goes into any of these game consoles no matter what um that it does feel a little bit weird though especially on nintendo's part uh it feels more like they're pulling a disney more than anything where disney will release some of these like beloved classic animated movies that they have for a certain amount of time. And then it's like, better get them quick before we put them back in the vault because it drives everybody absolutely bonkers when those things happen. So, I mean, maybe that's just Nintendo's strategy anyway, is to, is to like drum up the, uh, the, uh, support, the, the fury and the fire. So people will go like mad and spend a bunch of money to try to get these games as fast as they can. Uh, especially if a physical version doesn't exist of that game. Oh, very much so. I mean, look at what happened with the uh, Legend of Zelda uh, and the uh, Super Mario Game & Watches. How crazy they sold out and were immediately getting sold on eBay for 10 times as much. And, you know, they were flooded the market. I mean, you you can walk in, not... You can't get the Mario ones unless you order them. But I I saw Zelda ones at Target today when I was there. So it's not like they're not available. True. And the same for scalping also went with... uh, I I apologize here. I don't remember if you had already said this one or not. But was the NES Classic and the SNES Classic. Is that when those came out, the NES Classic was definitely in very limited supply. And that was being scalped really quick. Uh, the the SNES Classic, they did not actually have that same problem. 
uh, but it was definitely a little bit harder to get. Like, I'm fortunate enough to be, have been able to get one within a week of it launching, but uh, the target that we have here was actually pretty good about keeping them in stock. So you are right, is that there is that that level of of craziness that goes into when some of these things are released because people know, especially in our present situation with the pandemic, also the supply chain issues, the chip shortage that we're running into, that not many of these things are going to be made as people expect them to have been made, you know, several years ago. So it's, it's understood in that one. But part of it though, again, going back around, back around to like the Disney, um, comparison here is that it just feels a little predatory though in in that case that you know to be able to take these things away or at least not offer an alternative but unfortunately you do have that scenario anyway where there really isn't an alternative it's like you either own it now or you're not going to be able to until we decide that it's time to make those available because not necessarily for like the Wii U because its main selling point was the tablet controller that you could play remotely uh, you know, you play your games remotely while someone else was on the TV or use it as a, a mini map or what have you for another title. Um, mm-hmm. I don't see that as being much of an issue, but it's the 3DS though, is that there's no uh, native emulation support from Nintendo on the Switch to be able to play uh, DS games. And I'm sure there will be at some point because we talked about that once before, but there isn't anything right now. So to see DS titles on the uh, on the Switch is kind of just a, a a hope and a dream that they offer that support. Well, and maybe we should talk about that or move into that, you know. Uh that 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 is a total possibility when you think about it. What what if they altered the dock? What if all of a sudden they gave you a dock that could bluetooth communicate uh to the console a bottom screen? And you could put DS cartridges into the dock. So all of a sudden your top screen was, you know, your your play screen and the tablet was your bottom screen. So you're basically talking about the hardware for the DS and 3DS being built into the Nintendo Switch dock at some point and then offering you the ability to undock the Switch, communicate and then have your bottom screen there on the switch while the ds the the top screen would be on your tv just to make sure i'm understanding right, right? okay Re- rebridge that gap that that they that they made with the uh with the wii u and then kind of i don't know they they kind of fixed it but i mean i guess in a way they they removed something that was totally almost useless to to the player or you know, and altered it in such a way that it was more functional, making it the tablet, con- taking away the tablet controller, making it just a portable tablet that can dock and be a home console. Bo- but what if they rebridged it back just for that one aspect, you know? And maybe they could use it for future games. That is a potential. I what I see more is like what Nintendo could possibly do is I think the dock is actually a pretty decent idea because then that means that they don't have to go and re-engineer the switch to be able to handle DS titles. You know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't require them to actually go and figure out, well, where are we going to put a DS slot onto the switch? Like where do we have room to make for something like that? The other idea I had though, and this is, this is a little hacky if you want to think about it for a second, but do you remember the old, 
uh, expansion systems that used to exist for like the the Sega. I think it was the Mega Drive. And I know there's always jokes about oh, the people yeah. who have made towers upon towers of all the different adapters you could put and, you know, still play the game with all those towers on there. The Tower of Power. Exactly. Now, thank you. That was actually the phrase I was looking for. Um, <laughs> what I was thinking, though, was that not necessarily like a Tower of Power per se, but some sort of like ribbon cable type adapter that actually plugged into the Switch uh, the Switch game slot. like So you'd have like a Switch game uh, cartridge, but it'd have a ribbon cable coming off of it or something else, you know, so it didn't look too out of this world. It did look more Nintendo-like, but it would fit right into the Switch game slot, but then it would actually have a external DS cartridge slot. So that way then, as you're on the go, instead of it being a instead of it being maybe a two-screen in the way that we expect it to be looking at a 3DS title, you have one of two ways you can play it. Either you could play it in your normal landscape mode where you have the top screen on the left side and the the bottom screen on the right-hand side because obviously the resolution for those is not that great anyway, so it should be able to fit no no problem. Or, and this is where it gets to be a little bizarre though, uh, is potentially offering the ability to turn the Switch sideways, go portrait, and split it that way, just like what we see on some of the Nintendo DS emulators on uh, smartphones right now, where it usually splits the screen that way. Uh, it would require a little bit more finagling, especially as it came to how you would manipulate a controller, for instance, um, or at least the actual like analog stick and face buttons, because like that Joy-Con is not going to hold up if you're holding it all the way down there at the bottom to try to do it. You're going to break off that rail where right. that connects in. That's but, my exact thought. But offer at least something like that, though. So if you don't, if you are one of those people who regularly carries your Nintendo Switch with you and you want to delve back into the world of DS games, you don't have to rely on carrying a dock with you, especially I think like a good example would be uh, like a college student, for example, who may not have a TV in their room, but they still have a Switch that they use to play games. And I know you can do Netflix and YouTube and I think Hulu on it as well. So you can still consume content with it, but offer them at least offer that type of ability, though, to be able to play DS games, at least on the go in that regard, you know, just just a, a potential. It doesn't necessarily mean that they'll go that way, because, like I said, the ribbon cable part seems a little hacky just in the way it could look. And I'm picturing it, but it's at least another thing to offer the support. Yeah, I I mean, I feel like there there's still other ways that they could offer it like and and just e- even digitally like offer a way to purchase or play DS titles um through, you know, even an additional membership if they had to for for God's sakes. Um and and offer them just as a streaming service or maybe you know even just as download play like just down download individual games and just purchase them again but it would be nice to have the ability to to have access to to the video game preservation ourselves i know there there's a lot of collectors out there i'm a collector myself i like to collect the games that i like to play and some of the more bizarre titles out there and I do have a large digital collection, and I enjoy the fact that I have access to it on my PC. And it's sad that I've lost access to it on, you know, other consoles, <laughs> the PSP. But what can you do? You know, I mean, I do still have access to some of those games through my Vita. Um, and, you know, I 
at least I know my Vita hasn't tanked like my PSP has. So, but I I worry about you know some of the other digital content coming up. You know, with other with other consoles like the Vita. Um, you know, I wonder what what's going to happen with you know my my Switch in the future, or you know some of the some of the titles that are on my 360. Are are they going to make more of those? um eventually playable on my one i know they they've made more additional even though that they said they weren't going to backwards compatible i mean it it makes me look at everything in a broader aspect because nintendo is so particular about you know how how and who owns what yeah and th- they've been that way for a while at least or more so as the digital revolution has really kind of gotten there with with online play access to digital storefronts they've really they've really embraced a lot more of what their competitors have been doing for a while a little while longer so to speak but it does feel like they're two steps behind all the time well they always have been i mean like look they still only support voice chat for switch online by using your phone they only really started to support a better somewhat online platform with the introduction of the of switch online and now of course they've got their own game pass style environment with switch online where you can get access to old titles for the the nintendo super nintendo for the n64 for the genesis um you know it's there is more there you know than there had been previously and it steps in a direction that we would expect nintendo to take but you are right they have taken a while to catch up what I'm, yeah. what I'm more focused on, though, especially is like what you talked about, is about preserving the games that you like, and I think that's something that we can say broadly for, I think every gamer out there is that you know we may not hold on to every single video game that we've purchased, but we are going to at least keep close to us those that we've truly enjoyed, or at least do our best to do so. Like I've got a copy of Persona Four here somewhere for the PlayStation Two. And it's still one of my favorite games for the PlayStation 2. It's it's one of those things, though, that you are going to be expecting gamers to hold on to things like that. But when it comes down to the digital side of it, it doesn't really feel that good, I guess, to hold up a, a, an SD card and say, here's my library of DS games, you know, and, and now I can't do anything else with them because my DS broke. And, and to buy a new DS or 3DS is going to cost me 300 thousand dollars because somebody decided to to bid on something like that on ebay and nintendo doesn't repair them anymore so there we go i i know that's going to alienate people for any digital titles right now but it's just one of those things especially with nintendo who prides themselves on the uniqueness of their titles and the long-running support for all their series uh, it just feels a little weird for them to have not really kind of started to think ahead about what they could actually do with those titles instead of just, you know, really pulling the whole, Hey, you had your chance. Bye. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. It, it's also their, the way I'm seeing it, it's also their first time delving into that digital storefront. Like we said, they're, they're two steps behind. So in that aspect, you got to figure that, you know, they don't know how to handle it yet. They're they're coming at it and they go, oh, well, we can just shut it down and it won't matter. But maybe they're also seeing the backlash from, you know, 
PlayStation trying to shut down the PS3, tr- trying to shut down uh, PSP and the Vita, and they're saying, oh, well, we can't just end support. We, we can shut down the stores, but it's going to be a long time before we can just totally say, oh, the servers are down. We're not going to support the games. We're not going to update the stuff if there's updates available. You know, I, I mean, at least they're recognizing that early enough. But I, I do feel like it it's awful abrupt for them to just embrace that that shutdown so quick, especially, you know, for for something like when the it felt like the Wii storefront went for so long and maybe I'm wrong, but um, I don't know. It just it felt like that was there for quite a while compared to the, the Wii U storefront. I feel the same way about the Wii storefront, though, too, is that it felt like it was only just recently that that thing got shut down. But I'm sure it was definitely longer ago. I mean, I think the pandemic has really skewed our concept of time for how long it's been since some things have happened. Um, But even still, with the Wii, they did have way – I feel like they had way more advance notice of the shutdown coming. Um, There was was evidence of it coming – and with this, there there wasn't necessarily any evidence, especially, you know, with Nintendo showing that they were going to start embracing this preservation a little bit harder with, with you know, putting the 64 titles and the Genesis titles on the, the expansion pass. And who knows, we might have Game Boy titles or Game Boy Advance titles to come, but, you know, it, it's it's hard to predict what Nintendo has in this in in store in the future for any of it because you know they're so closed doors about everything and like you said you know it, it they're they're still two steps behind we we still talk on our phones to communicate on the switch yeah but even like well, what i find funny is that even with the two steps behind is that for no other video game that i can think of or even video game like online service have I ever had to use my phone to actually communicate with other people like for voice chat purposes? I know in the Xbox app, you can send messages, uh, you know, standard, uh, like just text messages through the app. I know like I, there might be maybe some sort of voice thing in there though, too, like to send like an, an audio recording, not necessarily actually open up like a, a party chat. Um, I think of course that's, that's different now with the adoption of cloud streaming, but even with them and with Sony as well, it's like I can't think of any other time in the past that they had something like that um, where, you know, they they didn't focus on bringing the entirety of their online platform, you know, to their one system that they relied on other other aspects to be able to get that stuff running. It just it, it boggles me, you know, of course, that Nintendo has had years to see this. I mean, you're talking like going back to the original Xbox when Xbox Live was released and of course the PlayStation 2 with the original PlayStation Network to see how these things were built up and how these things grew. And sure, in the short amount of time they've had these things, they've made leaps and bounds to improve on their service, but they haven't made the full-fledged dive into a lot of these other things that their competitors are just swimming laps around them on right now. And honestly, that's never going to kill Nintendo. Like for, for you and I, and for the, the majority of gamers out there is that these little nuances are never going to kill what Nintendo creates and what Nintendo puts out. However, 
What I would like to circle back to really quick, though, is the actual FAQ from Nintendo, because I should have mentioned this there at the beginning. And this is the reason why people are a little bit upset, or are upset, excuse me, not even a little bit, but are upset about the words here from Nintendo's FAQ, is that after this was posted, and after a while, uh, after a while since it was posted, there was enough backlash that Nintendo actually pulled that entire question and answer from their FAQ about about this, about them having no plans to offer classic content in other ways. And even in tandem with that, after that part was done, which, again, this was published, this story was published on Tuesday, which Tuesday was the 15th. This uh, quote from uh, the Video Game History Foundation on the 17th, so that would have been yesterday, they say, while it is unfortunate that people won't be able to purchase digital 3DS or Wii games, uh, Wii U games anymore, we understand the business reality that went into this, into this decision. What we don't understand is what path Nintendo expects its fans to take should they wish to play these games in the future. And here, here's the big part, I think, where they're kind of like, like almost like verbally just shaking Nintendo, saying, come on, you've got the ability for this. As a paying member of the Entertainment Software Association, Nintendo actively funds lobbying that prevents even libraries from being able to provide legal access to these games. Not providing commercial access is understandable, but preventing institutional work to preserve these titles on top of that is actively destructive to video game history. We encourage ESA members like Nintendo to rethink their position on this issue and work with existing institutions to find a solution. So... Because we're kind of circling back around there, I mean, we've we've now talked about where some of the fury and fire is coming from. We talked about um, we talked about what we could potentially see Nintendo do, and of course, we've kind of justified maybe some of the business side of things though too, and and how they relate. But you've got this level of fire about what's happening next, and they pretty much call out the Entertainment Software Association, the lobbying group that is built specifically to advocate for video game companies and every company is a part of this like sony uh microsoft nintendo uh, i believe a lot of the bigger game companies like bigger game publishers and devs are also a part of esa um you know it's like because of them being called out not just nintendo but the esa what should we expect from the industry as a whole on responding to stuff like this not just from nintendo but for other systems going forward i don't know i it, it's hard to say what um nintendo or what uh sorry not nintendo what what playstation will do because i i feel like that's that's in the works right now um i i feel like we're, we're gonna see a new digital service for them that allows more backwards compatibility and more play uh, of previous content for other games and i I think it might even include some of the stuff that um, has been on their handhelds. Um, I think that's how it's going to affect Sony. Um, as far as Microsoft, we're kind of already seeing it, you know, it, it, as far as the, the preservation aspect w with their backwards compatibility. But, I mean, there there is also so much that uh, a uh, console manufacturer can do um, especially when it comes to li licensing. That's true. And I mean, we've seen that, especially with GoldenEye 007 and how long that's been taking. I mean, that's still rumored to be coming out on Xbox Live 
uh, like here's sometime soon. You know, there, there's the rumors abound about that right. coming out. But you're absolutely right is that that one was locked both in a crazy amount of licensing problems, but also was on that list of banned games in the European Union um, until only just uh, towards the end of this last year. So, yeah, you are right is that it does come down to a lot of the licensing stuff, especially in, in Microsoft did point but that out. You know, they did say that that, that was also, their problem. That That's also what's kind of interesting is all the stuff that really needs to be preserved by Nintendo, Nintendo holds the license to because they have so many unique characters and unique first party games. Those are the ones that people want to play. And that that's that's that. I mean, you know, you look at the the DS and some of the the titles that came out like with you know, the continuation of the Advance War series, some of the uh, Shin Megami Tensai games that came out, the Dragon Quest games that we saw, Bravely Default's first game, Bravely Second, um, were both on there. You know, just different renditions of RPGs that have been released on, on other consoles, but lacking as far as how it could be played. So... I mean, where is the preservation for that specific version of the game? Yeah, and because Nintendo is choosing to lock this all down, because you are right that the majority of things, well, it really is, is that all the things that Nintendo is not making available anymore are really either first-party or third-party titles that were more so developed for the DS and for uh, the Wii. Those were Mm -hmm. them. So, uh, like you know, the Wii U had some titles anyway, of course, though too that made use of the of the the tablet controller. But in the grand scheme of it all, it was really just like the step up from the Wii anyway, and still played the same Wii games. Now, well, and I, I said the Shin Megami uh, games, but I I don't know how the license works with those with uh, Sega. But I I know once once Nintendo locks down an exclusive title like that, they're pretty tight on it. Now that that may not be the same effect with, with like Mario Kart on the DS, but we are of course getting some of those levels, just not the gameplay. Um, with with of course an expansion to Mario Kart. Exactly, and there's one thing, especially about Mario Kart, that I'll make mention of right now because this what like this was one thing I actually appreciated about Nintendo, and it does actually bother me that we don't have anything like this uh, in the existing in the Switch in the existing ecosystem is that when you had a Nintendo DS or 3DS and you had Mario Kart DS, is that if you wanted to play with other people, they didn't have to own it. You could do an actual multiplayer game with Mario Kart DS, and while they would be able to choose a character, they'd be able to play as different color Shy Guys, that still opened it up to at least allow people to be able to play games together without requiring those others who may not be able to buy the title to at least experience it, though, and still not feel left out. You can't do that with the Switch. Granted, you can if you are the person who does take the Switch with you and does really play it out in public. You can, of course, take the Joy-Cons off and you can hand one to another person. You can play that way. That That's cool. That's great. But it's still one of those things that just made Nintendo unique in that sense because not any other there wasn't really any other title out there that I could call out from other companies that offered something like that you know and that was a big thing for me especially in high school 
when I got my original DS and I was able to play Mario Kart with a few other people that I sat with at lunch and they owned it. So they were able to access all the other characters, but they were able to set up a lobby. I was able to join and play a shy guy and I wasn't left out. I was able to still enjoy playing the game with them up until at least I was able to buy it and kick the crap out of them by playing as Luigi. But that's for another day. So with, with that, though, is that Nintendo seems to have just kind of gotten really mixed up in a lot of their online offerings and and is really kind of alienating those in the preservation world because, yeah, you're right. There just isn't a a true, like, functional way to preserve a lot of these titles. And we covered it earlier. You get that SD card out of your 3DS, it's locked to that 3DS. You're not going to be able to put those games on anything else. Sorry. Right. And like I said, it, it's almost like, well, Nintendo's going. You had your chance to to play and collect the title that we put out. Now we're going to collect it for you. And if we decide in the future that that we want to let you play it, then maybe you can purchase it or you know play it on the service. But we're not going to say that we're going to offer that, and we're you know we may not ever offer it. So there's that. Yeah, and it comes back into one of these things like, and this is what actually has me really concerned, but I think Nintendo has made a comment on it, so don't don't quote me on this, but um, what has me more concerned than anything is Nintendo potentially approaching the whole crypto and NFT ecosystem with their titles. I, I think they're one of the companies, though, like I know Microsoft said that they weren't going to do anything with it unless they could find a true benefit for gamers besides it just being a cash grab. Um, but that's one thing that actually does worry me because you would think that for a lot of Nintendo gamers out there, like who actually owned uh, consoles before the Switch, and I'm talking DS, 3DS, uh, Wii, Wii U, that they would have online profiles that have existed since then where they did use those eShop functionalities to go and purchase games under their e like their Nintendo account, their Nintendo username, their eShop username, whatever it is. They would purchase those. So in theory, it's like those titles should still be tied to your account technically, but part of me has this weird fear in the back of my head that because you have those licenses still technically tied to your Nintendo account, that something is about to go weird with Nintendo and... That's why I hate saying this right now is that they may end up approaching the crypto and NFT environment. And a lot of it comes from how Nintendo has approached their development of things and how they've really gone off into left field for what they've done. I mean, look at the Switch by doing something hybrid. Nobody had done that like truly before. Um, look at the the idea of the glasses free 3D with the 3DS, the dual screen in the DS. Um I mean, you can go back in time, of course, though, still, and I've mentioned it many times before in other podcasts, has been the Virtual Boy. You know, they've always been one of those to embrace the the bizarre and the weird. And sometimes it works for them. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it ends up being a smash hit, the Wii with its motion controls. So, well, even with the original Game & Watches, you think about it, that the if we didn't have Game & Watch, would we have had Tiger Electronics handhelds? That's true. Like, would, would those have been such a success in the 90s had Game & Watch not been a success in the 80s? Um, 
you know, Nintendo has made innovations, even if they've been a little far behind. They've always made the other companies look at them and go, why didn't we do that? Because they, they've had so many people come up as copycats. So maybe that's why they like to hold on to the, those specific titles to, to try and preserve them themselves. Because they they feel that if someone else is able to preserve them, they're going to be out of control of their own product. I'm not certain. But I, I feel it's also kind of haphazard and it's very exclusionary. Yeah, because I think for the sake of video game preservation that, you know, obviously each company wants to control their own IP. That's completely understood. That's that's your property. That's your material. You want to be able to use it the way you've made it and you don't want people to do otherwise with it. That's completely understood. But in the world of video game preservation, this isn't like you're going into a museum that has all these video games on display and it's like, oh, there's a Game Boy Color over there. I'm just going to take my Game Boy Color out of my pocket and hook a link cable in. Or, oh, there's a 3DS over there that has these titles on there. I'm going to go slip my own SD card in there to go and pull them off. You've already illustrated the fact that that wouldn't work anyway in the first place. So right. there's not really a way for them to like to really find any harm in their IP being used this way, especially if it's in the realm of preservation and presentation, at least in an educational and historical sense. And maybe it's just the fact that Nintendo sees the, the potential of future purchases from customers by doing the Disney thing, by making it so you know, collectible that, you know, it was only available for that time. Now we're going to make it not available for 25 years. And all of a sudden you can pick it up for one year. And after that, we're putting it back in the vault for another 15 to 20 years. Who knows? It It's hard to say, but I, you know, I, we've already seen it at least once, you know, we've more than once. I, I mean, they, they've, Kind of, they've retried to emulate it with the uh, game and watches by putting out those um, with Mario, you know, only for that short year. But I mean, they were widely available, but it was kind of a, a throwback as well as a, oh, well, here's our title again. Even though that's one of their more available titles, they're saying, oh, here's our title again, plus one that you can't necessarily play on all the different copies of the game that you get or have been able to get in the past. You know, it, it's kind of like that. Yeah, and so circling around on the NFT part here, because I want to at least address this to make sure the record's clear. So uh, this was actually back from their um, their financial results um, meeting that they had, their presentation that they had back uh, a few weeks ago, actually. Um, apparently, a question was posed to them about how... Uh, Nintendo feels about, um, let's see, uh, how Nintendo feels about the metaverse and NFTs. And I guess their comment was taken to say that they were looking into NFTs, that they were, they were curious about them, they had interest, but that they didn't know what to do. Um, however, of course, it's been changed around here. I'm looking at this article from Video Games Chronicle on uh, from the 3rd of February that does say that they are interested in the metaverse, but the problem is, though, is 
Uh, they've even said here, it's like, on the other hand, it's not easy to determine what kind of surprise and fun the metaverse can provide to customers. As a company that proposes entertainment, we have to think about how to provide fresh surprises and fun. So they're interested in it, but just like Microsoft, without actually saying what Microsoft did, they're interested, they're looking into it, but they don't know how to properly present it to players without, you know, to meet their objective, to make it enjoyable, to make it fun, to make it fresh, to make it surprising, to make it something truly Nintendo. So I, I still wanted to at least bring it up, though, because as much as I absolutely despise talking about it, it is one of those things in the environment that game companies are embracing, and we're seeing every day a new company's announcing some sort of initiative with NFTs. Nintendo could be one of those that decides to move forward with something relating to it, but I just don't know exactly what they could do. Even I just felt like it well, was worth mentioning. You know, Nintendo might be the first company that's creative enough to actually make it work. Um, just saying, it, it it's Nintendo that you think about. You know, the stuff that they've done in the past, but. To the same aspect, you know, hopefully they're not goaded by the the other people in the industry that are trying to embrace it at the same time when there's such a big backlash from the general gaming audience overall. Yeah, and that could be part of it is that they haven't, they said they're interested, they're not sure how to provide it, but obviously, of course, there is enough backlash, just as you said, Ubisoft um, and others about how this is just being seen as a quick cash grab. But anyway, I just want to make mention of it because Nintendo does have quite a few properties that they could do something with NFTs, but I think it would be definitely detrimental to their business if they jumped into it now. But because it's like they're shutting down the storefront and uh, for the 3DS and the Wii U, it's like, could they potentially approach something like this sooner rather than later because Nintendo does things that are of the like way out in left field quirky crazy kind of manner that you know they have really been doing for most of their most of their like lifetime i mean it it's totally possible who knows maybe maybe they'll be the first company that actually finds a way that if they do nfts they find an actual general use for them period not just owning a picture like or being able to use it as your Twitter profile, you know, if you pay an extra three dollars a month, maybe they'll find an actual use for them. Maybe they'll find a way to say, "Hey, you can download it on this piece of plastic, and this piece of plastic, as long as you throw it on a charger, it'll stay lit up for two and a half days." <laughs> right. There's there's stuff like that, but like you know. Right, and that's where it's like it comes back into a lot of this preservation stuff with Nintendo and the way they're doing these things right now is that they could find a way to enter the NFT market where they do provide the surprise and the joy and the fun that they would expect to by offering some sort of way to either take those licenses that you have now for any game you've purchased in the eShop, whether it is Switch, whether it is Nintendo DS, whether it is 3DS, whether it is Wii, Wii U, whatever – and as they continue to build out their online platform, they be able to bridge that together because the whole goal that is always presented in this market is that it's going to be something that you can carry with you. It's going to be something, especially in the gaming sphere, that they always say is going to be able to jump from game to game or from system to system or from universe to universe, and it's always going to be something that's usable. 
Nintendo could potentially be the actual for at the forefront of that by making it so that way you go through your original collection like hell i go grab my copy of perfect dark for the nintendo 64 down there and if there's some sort of barcode or reader or whatever on there uh, or barcode or some sort of identifier on there that can say this is a unique cartridge that it could be read in a way that i now get a digital nft version of that copy of perfect dark and now I can actually play that on the N64 emulator that's built into Switch Online, or they make that available in a different way. All I'm saying is that as much as I hate to talk about NFTs, Nintendo, just like they have done with previous system releases and such, could lead the charge to actually justify a true reason and an actual true proof of concept with what these could be, and then I wouldn't be so pissed off all the time about NFTs. And I just saw it um, as you were talking about it. And after I made my comment with a plastic card, you know, thinking about Nintendo as the collectible company that they started out with doing their the cards originally. And what we've seen recently from Nintendo with the Amiibo market, I believe the Nintendo NFT and I, I hate to do it because it's a prediction and we all know how that winds up with about, you know, 65% accuracy. NFTs through Nintendo will be the future Amiibo. Period. I really think that could actually be the case. And that's why I wanted to present it is that, like, don't even count any of the actual physical uh, the the physical accessories, the amiibo, go back to the uh, the e cards that they had for the reader on the the Game Boy Advance. I'm not necessarily Even beyond that. Yeah, it's I'm, all gonna it's all gonna be on your phone, right? I, I'm not necessarily focused on a lot of that anyway because I'm really talking more about the game side of it. But you do at least see exactly where I'm coming from, though. With it, is that Nintendo mm-hmm. could lead the charge with it that, and they kind of already have in in one way or another that you are seeing, like say their collaboration that they had. Uh, for I think it was Animal Crossing and the parent company for Hello Kitty that they had that collaboration and the Amiibo cards were Target exclusives. Yeah, what you're holding right there. Exactly. Um, <laughs> that those Amiibo cards have the uh, have the NF... Uh, what is it? NFC, Near Field Communication. Yeah, NFC, yeah, NFT. NF- God, it's, every, it's acronyms everywhere. Um, is that with the uh, NFC communicate or the nfc chip built into those cards that you could then use those to spawn what you need to without actually carrying around a little toy of whatever of mario to get something in another Mm -hmm. game okay so it's one of those other things that yes you are right that could be the way that they end up going with it too because then it does bring that fun it does bring that surprise and it does come back to what nintendo has been trying to do with the success of the amiibo with the collecting purposes if you're one of those people who did like those e-cards that you could swipe. I can't remember the name of the actual, like, cards. I think they were e-cards. Um, um, which ones? Because if you were talking about Game Boy Advance, it was e-reader. Um, if you're talking about DS, um, I don't remember what those ones... AR cards. So it is... That's what it was. So it is the e-reader. So it is the Nintendo yeah. e-reader, and it was for... Anybody in our audience who may not be aware of this one, though, is that it was a add-on for the Game Boy Advance that allowed you to run um, these special cards called e-reader cards um, that had data actually encoded into them in a certain spot. It kind of looked like a very interesting 
just barcode. And the cards that they would release would be in several different formats, whether it was a um, whether it was just a like a, a card that maybe was a part of a game of some type, maybe it looked like something else. Uh, there was a whole release of Pokemon cards that were released too that had um, that had uh, the same reader part on there. So uh, you know that wasn't necessarily a hundred percent successful, but it was at least a way to get out there to um, offer you know, something unique and something different. While it wasn't necessarily successful, it did lead the way for them to have an idea, at least as it relates to Amiibos, though, and having the NFC uh, chipset built into them to be able to read off of. And maybe that that's where we're at, is it's going to be the Nintendo NFC NFT. The, 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 what is it? The NNFC NFT. Yeah, it, you'll just download the cards through Nintendo.com um through an auction or through your switch but it'll be tied to your nintendo membership that's already on your cell phone because you have to use your cell phone as your chat communicator but all of a sudden you can load that chat communicator with your nfc nfts that you've downloaded so now you don't have to buy amiibos anymore they'll release a limited number you know whether it be 150 or 150,000 Amiibo NFC NFTs. I really hate that we've gotten to this point, though, with this episode. Because I, I, I better stop talking. I, I'm I, envisioning a horrible future that could that could come crashing in on us. Could they lead the charge though on the NFT stuff? Absolutely. If they if they put the if they put the emphasis into it and do it. But I hate talking about it because. To be perfectly honest, it's not the way I want things potentially to go for at least myself. And NFTs have been so widely ridiculed in the gaming sphere that Nintendo would have to be pretty brave and have a pretty clear objective with what they're doing to make it actually work. And if that's what it takes to bring back what we're losing with the access to the digital assets in the 3DS and the Wii U storefronts, so be it, I guess. Or Nintendo just needs to find a way to make DS emulation work on the Switch. I don't know. I I feel like Nintendo's been preparing us for this. You look at every Smash Brothers game, you have little trophies for everything. That it's like, why why are they giving me these trophies? What are these to display on? I can view them on the game. Maybe... In the future, I can view those trophies on my cell phone, and maybe I can use those trophies in a game, and all of a sudden, those trophies are worth something. Oh, no. <laughs> Dear God. I, I, I feel like this, is, this has been something that Nintendo has unintentionally, intentionally been prepping us for since we were children. The inevitability of Web3 taking over the world and having to purchase digital images once again, like clip art, in order to have just a cool picture on your cell phone that will do something, hopefully, on a game. If you say and so. I feel like that's what we're leading into in the future. Uh. But I, hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong. Well, let me say this then to close us out. Nintendo, if you decide to Nintendo, think first or 
Well, I don't want to say this. I was trying to think of something witty to go back into Nintendo Don't again, like where I said it there in the intro. You know, it's or like just it's Nintendo like, Don't. Yeah, it's like Nintendo <laughs> Nintendo Don't on this one. There you go, something like that. I was trying to be witty there at the at, at that last bit, but what have you? Everybody gets what I'm trying to do. Nintendo, think on this before you try to do anything else. And here's to hoping that at least whatever we get out of what Nintendo can do is going to potentially benefit gamers down the line more than it's going to be the line their pockets with more money because the fans are already there. The fans are going to buy and rebuy these games as things go on anyway, but I just don't want it to be another money grabbing scheme. That's it. You know, maybe another way to look at it is I I think the thing that Nintendo has to, to figure out is maybe they have to have their own blockchain for it to work for for Nintendo NFTs to be on their own blockchain so they can hold their own value and they can control it themselves but you're going to hate me for this I, Kyle. I just the blockchain chomp oh no oh no <laughs> we're, I thought you'd like we're that. making this this horrible future just worse with with Nintendo riddled memes, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it's a possible future, um, especially under so much ridicule from gamers and just general society. I think it it could be inevitable. Hopefully, not sooner than later. I'm I'm hoping later than sooner because I I don't think we're ready for it. Um, as a as a entire society, there's too few people that understand, and I I still don't think the gaming world's ready for it yet. It doesn't really belong quite yet. Yeah, not just yet. It's going to take that additional study and patience to figure out what provides the best value to gamers without it being the money grabbing scheme that it seems to be but now. Maybe. If anyone can make it work, it's Nintendo. And I think that's where we wrap up this NPCs Discuss. What do you think? I think so. <laughs> Wonderful, because I hate to say this, but talking about NFTs and Nintendo has really made my stomach all kinds of upset now. So thanks for that. <laughs> but with that said, of course, that is it for this week's NPCs Discuss, where we talk about Nintendo. Hopefully, Nintendo don't on whatever they're doing with the 3ds and wii u eShops, of course but you guys have already heard about all that so with all that said of course though thank you so much everybody for tuning into this week's npcs discuss of course if you are listening to us you must like us so uh why don't you go ahead and hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform of choice and give us a listen so that way any episode that does go up automatically downloads to your device and you can catch us as soon as it goes up we're available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio. Man, you name it, we are everywhere. If you need links to those, you can go check out our homepage at anchor.fm slash the-npcs-podcast. Excuse me. We're also on social media on Twitter and Facebook at the NPCs Podcast. And you can also find us on YouTube at the NPCs Podcast as well. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into this week's episode. We will catch you all in the next one. Laters.